This is the Shanice Lewis Show, the number one podcast for plus-size women. With your host, the queen of curvy conversation, Shanice Lewis. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Shanice Lewis. Today is Monday, May 6, 2019. Make sure you're following this show's social media pages on Facebook at The Shanice Lewis Show and on Instagram and Twitter at Shanice Show. And make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. Today, we have a very special guest. Renee Cafaro is the U.S. editor of Slink Magazine, an international plus-size fashion and lifestyle magazine. Renee has spoken on many panels and has been featured in various outlets, including InStyle, Glamour, and Elite Daily as an expert. Her goal is to inspire all women to truly love themselves, no matter if they're a size zero or a size 40. Renee believes every woman should have the opportunity to reach her full potential, no matter what goal they're trying to reach. As an editor, Renee has worked with closely with celebrity designers such as Christian Sariano and through her platform empowers the plus size community. And we are so excited to talk to Renee today. Renee, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, I know you're very busy, so thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. So, I want to start at the beginning of your journey. Growing up, you struggled with body dysmorphia. Now, explain to us what that is and how it affected you as a young adult. Uh, well, body dysmorphia is something that um, I think a lot of women, unfortunately, um, struggle with and may not know the, the name of it. Um, but truly, that is just um, the the term for uh being unhappy with your body no matter what you're doing and we know you're just hating what you see in the mirror and a lot of that is programmed uh, by society by mass media um, for me a lot with my family um, that were very um, laser focused on the idea that beauty and self-worth were based only in skinniness and we hear that always a lot you know one of my least favorite phrases that are out there in the world is you can never be too rich or too thin. Um, You Mm -hmm. absolutely can be too thin, and that shouldn't be the goal that people have. You know, that shouldn't always be the holy grail of what um, makes a woman desirable and makes them a worthy human. Um, It's really just a a characteristic and a trait, but society sort of set us up to feel that only one kind of body type is acceptable, so anything else that could be considered other, we're sort of brainwashed to think is wrong. And that sort of brings on that idea of body dysmorphia. I mean, that is where no matter what I was doing, I was, um, you know, I, the thinnest I ever, ever had been uh, was a size 8, and I was a, I'm 5'1". So that I was still always told by doctors that I was considered obese on the BMI scale. So unfortunately, you know, that was the only thing anyone really cared about um, was this idea of I needed to be a particular number, I needed to be a particular thing. And I didn't get the support um, that I should have gotten in retrospect. I I think it's shocking and uh, horrendous that uh, medical professionals and uh, family members and those who are supposed to be caring for me 
um, not only allowed me to do some of the things I did in the, the name of, of dieting and fitness, but encouraged it. Um, and that all brought forth this warped view. You know, I was constantly uh, restricting my diet to the point of, you know, rewarding myself for as little, the closest I can get to zero calories a day, um, taking all the over-the-counter diet pills and all the scams, all the things were out there. I was the the best little consumer of the weight loss industrial complex. And now, did you um, ever pass out doing that? Yes, I did. Um, I actually I have passed out uh, by not eating. Um, you know, have had major issues with heart palpitations by taking prescription diet pills that I was prescribed. You know, legally by a doctor that thought I needed them, um, and also taking all these quote supplements that. You know, especially to a teenage girl, um, you know, we're kind of thought, taught that this was what I'm supposed to be doing, but it's over the counter and it's herbal and it's at GNC or wherever it is, you know, so you think it's it's safe for you. Um, it's not. You know, these are still stimulants. Um, a lot of these things are never FDA approved. You have no idea what's in this stuff, but as someone who is as diligent as I have always been and as type A as I am, you know, it's embarrassing to say that I allowed this uh, desire or everyone else's desire for me to be a certain size to sort of forego my usual scrutiny I would put onto something. You know, I wasn't researching what the stuff is. I was just putting them in my body. I was taking these crazy things and doing these insane diets um, to get to a certain size. And even at my thinnest, um, you know, nearly killing myself, not eating and working out all the time and doing all this crazy stuff, still, you know, as a size 8, still technically fat shamed by students and a lot of those around me, you know, I still then looked in the mirror and hated everything. I hated everything about myself. Um, you know, I remember a very, very, very young, um, you know, I'll try not to get too dark about things, but one thing that I think is important, which I've heard a couple of other uh, women who are now on, also in their body positive journey have similar um, stories, but um, the the imagery of wanting to take an, uh, a scissor and cut the fat off your body. You know, I remember that being mm. a, a daydream. You know, it's like, if I could just cut it off, if I could just do something, you know, magically, if I had three wishes, you know, I was wishing for skinniness first and, like, my own health or something else, you know, <laughs> later. And that's crazy. Um, and it and really you thought came... that if you would get skinny, what would happen? Like, your life would be perfect? Yeah, I mean, I think that I was sold the same bill of goods so many of us are, are sold. That, um, you know, you look at any, uh, you know, magazine or TV, it's this idea that lose the weight, then you're happy and carefree, you you get the boyfriend, you get the this, you, you have, you know, all these other things that are desirable. Um, and general society was enforcing that for me. The people closest to me in my life and those that I went to school with, those that I lived with, those around me, very often, um, you know, bullied me for being different, for being fat, for being, you know, not what I was, con you know, conventionally attractive and those things. And so my hope was if I just did what I was told, if I just conformed the way I was supposed to, that the bullying would end, that then I would be happy, then I would be worthy you know, I would then be celebrated by these people who tell me that the only thing that matters is the way I look. Um, now, were you able to overcome this? 
as you became an adult, or is this is something you have to deal with on an ongoing basis? So, unfortunately, there's always going to be trolls out there. Um, so, in a way, we all have to deal with this on an ongoing basis. But I can't change other people's toxic behavior. What I can change is how I react to it. And I chose to live. I mean, that's basically how it, it kind of happened because I didn't have much of a choice. I was uh, 18 or 19 years old when I got off of diet pills, and I was in college. Um, I went to Stanford University, and I was uh, all the way across the country from my family and realizing that I was just kind of going through these motions I'd always gone through. But I was no longer under the thumb of those who really wanted me to be doing these things. And I had no one over the, you know, I felt like I started to taste some freedom. I didn't have anyone telling me I needed to do this. I wasn't, you know, a kid in high school with mean high school kids or, you know, middle, middle school kids, you know, picking on me for my size. You know, I'm in a multicultural um, kind of liberal situation, and I, was, I had friends. No one really talked. My size wasn't really a point of conversation anymore. And I'm like, why is this still taking all of my time and energy? I, I want to live my life. I want to be doing other things that are more important than worrying about these, these diets and these parameters. And I also just had so much heart palpitations from the, the diet pills that I just, I didn't feel well anymore. I just didn't, you know, I, I also had a lot of chronic pain growing up because I have arthritis. And it was just getting so much worse. And I cut it out. And even though I was still restricting my diet, what I ate, and working out a lot, I gained weight like I was going, it was going out of style. You know, um, I had ruined my metabolism for, with a lifetime of dieting um, through my formative years that I basically decimated my metabolism. And, uh, you know, I found myself, I, I cried when I split my first pair of jeans that I used to, um, that I really liked. And when I realized that I was gaining a lot of weight, even despite, you know, working out and doing all the things I'm supposed to do, I'm like, do I hate myself every single solitary day in the mirror? Or do I find a way to live life and be happy? And I chose to be happy, and that's way easier said than done. But um, I kind of have to do a fake it till you make it sort of thing. And you have to choose one thing, no matter how small it is, to like yourself in the mirror. You know, like I said, body dysmorphia means that you have this warped sense of what you look like and you're always so, so super critical. So this was tough. But literally it started with, okay, like I like my eyes. <laughs> you know, my ankles look cool in these <laughs> these shoes. I'm not I know it sounds silly, but that's like how small I had to start. Right. And right. So every day it had to be something to- new. So you went on and you graduated from an Ivy League school, which is a major accomplishment, and you started a career in politics. Now, while working in the political arena, how did you discover the plus-size community? Um, so, uh, you know, I, I loved working in politics. That was, you know, what I had gone to school for, and, um, you know, I, I did a lot on social justice issues, and... Um, been fighting for everyone's equality, except for my own, except for I mean, until now. <laughs> um, and I've always been, you know, obviously plus size. Um, and while I was starting to learn to love myself um, slowly but surely and realizing that once I let go of this whole idea of 
diet and skinniness and all this craziness, and I could just be, you know, I could just live my life and focus on my career and focus on my friends and my life, you know, that's when everything got great. You know, I, I got that happiness I thought that I was supposed to be getting when I got skinny, but I got it while I was fat. Uh, <laughs> and it happened. I was like, oh, great, I can have the life I want. The power is all in my hands. And I started to dress, you know, more fun and, um, you know, enjoyed shopping, enjoyed expressing myself. I've always loved fashion, but I always thought fashion wasn't a place for me. I was always told, like, you know, it's a place for skinny models. It's There's nothing out there for me. So I can appreciate it like it's art, but it can never be something I can own or attain. And when I moved to New York, I started working for the city, uh, and then worked for uh, the governor of New York uh, for a while. And obviously, I had to wear a lot of suits and stuff, So, um, but try to be as fashionable as possible. And I'm in the fashion capital of the world, and just dove in at first, just trying on everything everywhere to see what looks good and what I like and, um, you know, how to live that sort of enviable Carrie Bradshaw, Sex in the City, New York lifestyle, fashionable <laughs> lifestyle at any size, at the size I was. Um, and that's when I started as a side project. I started and I got my first uh, blog spot. I mean, it was like really dating myself. <laughs> But um, back when, like, Blogspot was a thing, uh, before Tumblr and WordPress and the word blogger was even around, um, I, I decided to make Foxy Roxy Fashion, which um, was just sort of a hobby. And the only reason why it existed is because I was tired of sending links and emails to all my friends who were plus size. They would ask me where I found cute stuff because I didn't know where to find cute stuff. And so, like, well, I'll just put mm-hmm. this here so then I could just send a link instead of having to, like, email everybody I know, expecting that no one would read this or care. <laughs> um, having no idea what the so future what might year? hold. That, uh, what year did you start writing? 2008, maybe? Okay. Um, it's when I think I had my first uh, blog, and so it was a while ago. Um, and I've just always been really, really fascinated in it. So it's been a, a bit of a side project for me that, you know, living as a plus-size woman, you automatically become an expert <laughs> in these things just by, by existing. Um, and then in 2014, um, at this point, I had um, left working for elected offices and I actually had my own um, political consulting and fundraising firm. So I was sort of working for myself, had a flexible uh, freelance kind of lifestyle, and started to write for Yahoo Travel, um, I started writing for a lot of different um, organizations and and websites and really loved to write and and really found my voice. It was so wonderful after all these years of being a spokesperson or a voice for campaigns and for others a message and writing candidate messages to finally be able to have my own voice was pretty phenomenal, Mm -hmm. and I really loved it. And that's – I had found Slink – in 20, I want to say 2010, uh, mm-hmm. 2011, and I found them back where they were just on issue, which is like just an online PDF <laughs> kind of layout, and was just immediately floored by how gorgeous it was and how uh, high fashion, and it was just plus-size women styled in a way that I had never seen before, and I was so excited, and I know I always like fangirled over Britain for being so much more size acceptance, <laughs> size accepting than, than America seemed to be at that time. Um, 
followed them. I, I wrote some blog posts about them ages ago that, uh, and sent it over to the, um, the founder and editor-in-chief, Rivki Baum, and um, I started following her. And then you know, a few years later, when I was more established as a writer, I saw that they were looking for for a writer in the United States, and I jumped on it. I jumped on that opportunity, and it's safe to say that one moment sort of changed the trajectory of my life. Now, have you had any obstacles transitioning from the world of politics to plus-size fashion? I mean, there's always obstacles when you're learning something new. Um, I think that it's exciting to learn something new, and there's always someone out there willing to put you under their wing. And, um, you know, if you just have a lot of drive and grit, you can sort of accomplish whatever you set your mind to. I'm, I'm sort of a, think that, you know, I'm very optimistic when it comes to taking on new challenges. You know, I, I like the puzzle. I like the challenge. Um, so, yeah, there have been obstacles, but I've greeted them with, a, with an open arm, with an open arms. And um, one of the things that, um, I tell a lot of folks, especially my friends that are still in politics, that think it's a little crazy that I've gone from that industry to this industry, which seems completely different, that actually there's a lot of the sort of women's rights, social justice, you know, political nature, that activism, that um, that fire that I had for all of my political years um, that can be translated into plus-size fashion. It's not just trends and shoes, but it's really just giving women an opportunity to be themselves, to have the freedom to exist as humans, to be treated equally regardless of their size. I mean, there's such an issue with weight discrimination in the workplace. Um, you know, fat women get paid less. I mean, there's just there are still actually like political issues that are that go along with being plus size mm-hmm. um, as well. So, I mean. Um, I feel being able to talk about eating disorders and loving yourself and finally laying down these arms and just living your life authentically and um, allowing us to have equal access to express ourselves through fashion and clothing and uh, equal ability to post swimsuit pictures on Instagram the way my skinny sister can do or my skinny friends can do without shame and without fear of being taken down or without fear of being called obscene. You know, the, being able to push that ball forward um, to me is doing just as much for women as any amount of women's rally I had created for um, a candidate in my political years. So as the U.S. editor of Slink Magazine, tell us what does that job entail and have you had any major accomplishments doing the job so far? Um. We, well, what it entails is just about anything. Um, I live my life by, you know, never do anything you wouldn't, never ask someone to do something that you would not do yourself. Um, I, I'm not big on delegating. We like to do a lot of things uh, on my own. So, you know, I wear a lot of different hats, um, as does uh, you know, Rivki, who is our editor-in-chief and founder. Um, you know, I, I work for her and to sort of execute her vision and the vision of Slink Magazine in the United States now that, we are uh, available in Barnes & Noble, which I think is our biggest accomplishment, um, is that we are finally, there is a premier luxury, glossy, high fashion magazine uh, available in print um, for uh, the 67% of women who are considered plus size. 
And so one of the things that I get to do, is, uh, which has been really fun, is going around um, doing style segments on TV and, and doing wonderful shows like this um, and doing some of the, the great uh, PR aspect of it to get the word out there to um, that, that sex, 67%, to let them know that we exist and that we're out there and to engage with us on Instagram, engage with us uh, you know, on all of our platforms and to go out and find the magazine uh, or get a subscription. And, and the way to get the word out there is to, to do things like this. So that's been um, a lot of what I've been up to uh, for 2019. Um, and the style segments have been super fun because it's one of the only times you get to see women of all sizes being styled for trends on the morning news. And that's really fun to be able mm-hmm. to be part of that. Now, I read one of your jobs as U.S. editor is specifically to look for partnerships for the brand. Now, what type of partnerships are you looking for um, currently? Well, I think when that when I'm talking about partnerships is that, you know, I'm always kind of looking towards um, not only, you know, we still need to run a business. I mean, it's a uh a small business, you know, we're a small women-owned business. <laughs> um, though we have a really amazing product, that a lot of people think we must have a huge office. It's really just uh, a handful of us that, that work for this product. So a lot of times, I'm looking at stuff for um, ad partners and things like that, but also um, aligning ourselves with um, any organizations that sort of uh, espouse the same values that Slink has, which is again. Um, Equality at all sizes, beauty at all sizes, health at all sizes, um, and uh, an idea of an elevated luxury experience for all women. Um, so one of our more recent things, we actually partnered with um, Eleven Honoré, which is a, the new um, couture plus size e-commerce site. Um, and they are um, our partner for the last issue. So you'll see, you know, they styled uh, one of our editorials with all their wonderful wares that they have from um, high-class designers. And um, it's been with Candace Safine on our cover, which is really phenomenal. Um, and it's just so wonderful to work with a, a commerce, um, an e-commerce site that really gets why we do what we do, you know, why it's important to give all options um, to plus-size women and to move the entire fashion industry forward um, to be inclusive instead of exclusive like they've always have been. So, um, you know, they, they did something extremely trailblazing by opening New York Fashion Week, by being the very first runway show at New York Fashion Week with all plus-size models. Uh, and, Laverne, and Laverne Cox uh, closed it, which was pretty cool. So they got a lot of press for that. And we're really happy to mm-hmm. have partnered with them. Um, Again, like I said, you know, obviously there's there's a lot of capitalism that needs to happen in running a business, but it needs to be ethical and it needs to be aligned with what we stand for. Um, and, you know, I was lucky enough to go to uh, the National Eating Disorder Association gala recently, NIDA, um, mm-hmm. on my uh, online platform. Today is No Diet Day by NIDA, by the way. I know, um, yes. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're out there talking against diet culture and, and helping people sort of uh, heal and love themselves. And um, so it's important to sort of be on those panels, you know, be present, you know, help with representation. So we look for partners that uh, can help facilitate that message. 
Now, I have a big amount of listeners that want to be plus-size models. So if someone is listening and interested in working with Slink as a model, what opportunities are available? So um, as U.S. editor, I'm actually – well, I, I defer to the uh, the Anna Wintour of Slink Magazine, which <laughs> Rivki Baum. She's the one who usually casts our, our models. Um, but we, we do get a lot of submissions. Um, you know, obviously, you know, it's pretty competitive. Um, for I, I get asked a lot by by wannabe models that like, if I'm just starting out, what should I do? And um, you know, I'm like, always just continue to build your portfolio, build your craft. You know, put, it doesn't hurt to put out your uh, your pitch to everybody. Um, and so we accept pitches um, to uh, our. You can go to our website and and email us. Um, some people. It's better than going through Instagram. A lot of people try to DM us, but it's usually just better just to email us directly. And um, that goes to our editor in chief. And um, if it if it fits uh, with print, I mean print modeling and runway modeling and Instagram modeling, they're all very different brands of modeling. Um, uh-huh. So we want to, you know, look. For, we love finding new talent, um, and I love being able to build our our files. So, if, you know, if anyone's out there and wants to model, go after your dream. Like, you know, absolutely. You know, send us some stuff. Um, you never know when there might be something that's the perfect fit for that face. Um, and no matter what, they should never be too discouraged by us or anyone else. Just always keep keep out keep at it and keep your pitches out there because. I also need um, a lot of models for these uh, TV style segments. You know, that's a different kind of model. You know, I have women who love mm-hmm. doing print but are really nervous about being on TV. Um, right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, those are things to keep in mind. You know, we do a lot of different stuff. So, um, you know, I, I encourage any woman who wants to be a model and any woman who wants to be a plus-size designer, anyone who wants to be in the plus-size fashion space at all, to go out there and do it because we need as much representation as possible. Now, however, with that being said, do you want models to be within the industry standard sizing no. to work with the magazine? In your Okay. No. I mean, um, you know, we love seeing a captivating face, someone who, who knows how to smize, you know, as Tyra Banks used to say, you know, someone who can really <laughs> draw a reader in with their ability to, to print model, someone who's got that sort of charisma that just jumps off the page. And that's what matters. You know, size to us, um, you know, it's about diversity. It's, you know, we try to be as diverse as possible with uh, size, race, age. We actually had a, a 50-year-old, or I think she might be older than 50 at the time, um, uh, model that did um, a gorgeous uh, lingerie shoot for us a few issues ago, and I got a lot of a lot of eyeballs because that was the first time people had really seen, you know, someone of, of an older age doing these things and being a a, a body positive model. You know, we have uh, honestly, you know, we do use a lot of the. Um, you know, main major modeling agencies, their curve boards are not what you would probably consider visibly plus size, but they're right. plus size by that sort of industry standard. Um, but, you know, we balance it by having, um, we feature a lot of really amazing women of all different sizes and shapes and heights uh, in, throughout the whole magazine. So every issue is different, um, and we want to try to be as diverse as possible um, because, yes, we're a plus size magazine, but I hope that we can maybe one day 
the world can just drop this us and them labels of plus size and we just be a glossy magazine for all women. You know, this is just something that we just show you what reality is and reality is we all come in different shapes and sizes. Right. Now, briefly, I want to talk about your work with the Walk to Cure Arthritis because I'm all about giving back and charity work. So tell us how you are the chairperson with that organization and what you do. Oh, thank you for asking about that. Because uh, it's actually just kind of uh, doing a lot of work on that today, actually. So the Walk to Cure Arthritis uh, is on June 2nd in, uh, in New York City. We're actually just moved it to a new location. We're going to be on the, the top of the, the Intrepid uh, Aircraft Carrier Museum, uh, which is really cool. We used to walk over the Brooklyn Bridge, but then we kind of outgrew it. So this is a, a whole new thing. Um, and the reason I'm passionate about it is that I was misdiagnosed and kind of undiagnosed uh, up until the time I was 25. And so I've only really known I've had arthritis for 10 years, uh, but I've dealt with chronic pain since I was about 11. And um turns out I have arthritis in my tendons and something called fibromyalgia, which is an inflammatory uh, autoimmune disease affecting your central nervous system. So you have a lot of nerve pain. Um, but for the longest time, people just kind of thought, like, they couldn't find it on blood tests or whatever, so they kind of think you're nuts. And um, mm-hmm. the but you don't look sick kind of thing. And um, Selma Blair recently came out with a very similar story when she got diagnosed with MS, that she was told she was nuts by doctors for years. Um, and so I found it extremely liberating once I got an actual diagnosis and um, started to get involved with the foundation uh, because being able to find a community not only would give me resources to learn how to actually cope in my daily life, but um, give me the the sense that I was no longer alone and give me a better sense of mental health and stability and a community, um, which overall will help me cope in in general. Um, so I've been very active in the walk for and, and with the Arthritis Foundation for many years and. Um, this is my fourth year, actually, as chair of the walk, and um, we try to raise. Uh, I think our, our, we're trying to raise close to five hundred thousand dollars this year, which is a lofty goal. But we were number one walk in the country a couple years ago, and we're hoping to do that again um, because all of the money that we raise goes to um, research for a cure, but also for programs um, that we host for for patients locally and nationally, um, like our or JA camps, those with juvenile arthritis. Most people don't realize there are 300,000 children who suffer from debilitating arthritis um, that can cause permanent disability um, and, you know, keep them from living a normal life as a kid and and developing properly, but with uh, proper access to rheumatologists, to care, and to things like these camps and these resources, they can live uh, a much better life. One in four Americans has a form of arthritis. It's not just grandma's aches and pains, but these are things that cause permanent disabilities that cause you to have no choice but to get, uh, you know, major surgeries, joint replacements, be on uh, very aggressive drugs um, and immunosuppressants. I mean, it is it is something that is much more uh, a much more grave situation than I think the name uh, indicates. You know, a lot of people think you just see Tylenol arthritis in the drugstore. That's all you got to take, and you're fine. But that is not the reality for me, and it's certainly not the reality of those closest to me with the, the disease that have been extremely impacted permanently 
and have to navigate this incurable uh, disorder. And Renee, what is the ultimate goal for your career and brand? Because you're so active in various things. I'm curious to know what your answer is. <laughs> a lot of various is. things. That's a, good, <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. Yes, I'm active in various things. I, I always have. I, I, um, you know, I'm possibly, you know, too enthusiastic, and I probably need to scale back. That's my, my biggest problem is that I have a hard time saying no to things because I want to be involved in everything. Um, but I think my ultimate goal with, with my career and my life is to make a positive impact. And I know that sounds corny, but um, it's really true. That's sort of why I got into politics. Um, you know, I had the Pollyanna idea that we can really make a difference um, through community organizing. And this is organizing just in a different way. Um, and, you know, if my message of, you know, overcoming, you know, all this crazy body dysmorphia and dieting and um, self-hatred and abuse, if I can help one young woman not waste her life the same way that I've wasted my life caring about that, then, you know, my work here is done. You know, I want to help other women be able to live a happier, healthier, better lifestyle um, and bring my cautionary tales to the world, whether it be about um, – arthritis or be about eating disorders and body image or um, my life lessons of finding happy things and inspiring things of, from clothing to cures, you know, whatever it is, I want to make sure I can bring those gifts to the world because um, that's what I think everyone has to do, you know, in society. It's like that we're here for a purpose and our purpose is to bring our, our unique gifts and our unique stories um, to everyone to see how that can be helpful. Now, do you have anything else coming up that we need to know about or we need to be on the lookout for? Uh, well, the next issue of Slink Magazine is coming out probably in the next couple of months. So, um, you know, we are uh, biannual now. And so uh, I'll definitely let you know when we start hitting shelves in the United States. Uh, and if you have any listeners outside of the U.S., I'll let you know when we have uh, hit the, the shelves in the U.K. as well. But, um it's going to be a really, really good one. Uh, we're going to be destigmatizing the issue of sex and dating and talking about all kinds of issues uh, and dating and relationships and body image and uh, reproductive health, women's health. It's, I, we hope it to be informative and inspirational and, and a nice little uh, you know, resource and guidebook for, for all women, um, you know, no matter how they identify their, their sexuality, um, you know, this is there's something for everybody in, in this. So um, that I'm really excited about because we're working about we're working on that right now, and I'm interviewing some really fabulous people. Um, and so that's that's probably the next thing on the horizon for us. Um, but there's always always a soapbox for me to find, and always <laughs> there's always a reason for me to be out there. So, uh, you know, all I can say is you know follow me, Foxy Roxy Fashion, personally. Or, or Slink Magazine on Instagram, um, where we have always something new going on in our stories, shouting things out, uh, networking people together, and, and telling you all the all the good news. And tell us your official website. Um, official website is slinkmagazine.com, and all of our social media is at Slink Magazine. Um, no dashes or anything, just Slink Magazine. Uh, I, 
uh, can be found, my personal website is ReneeCafaro.com, and I can be found on Instagram at FoxyRoxyFashion. And I really appreciate, you know, you taking the time to speak to me and let me tell my story, uh, which, you know, to me sometimes just feels pretty common to, you know, this is a story I'm not that's not rare for those who suffer from arthritis or deal with being a plus-size woman, finding their own journey in body confidence. Um, but I'm very honored to be uh, seen as a mouthpiece for that. So thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on this show and continued success with everything you have going on and everything you're about to pile on to that. (laughs) (laughs) Always something. And, hey, if you you find anything good out there, you know, you see something that that needs a a loud mouth for for an issue, you know who to call. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you again. And please keep in touch and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks. And thank you to my guest this evening, Renee Cafaro. Make sure you pick up the latest issue of Slink Magazine. Follow their social media to find out when it comes out. I've been your host this evening, Shanice Lewis. Thank you for tuning in and always supporting. Until next time, keep thriving in your curves and be blessed. You've been listening to The Shanice Lewis Show. For more info about the show, visit ShaniceLewisShow.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 